1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective,
0: 2020 on Vision. On a Tuesday, we always love to catch on to what's been happening on the other side of the world, but those news stories affecting the unfolding events in the nation of Israel and throughout the Middle East. And Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines overnight for an update today. Ron's back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Uh, Ron, all sorts of turmoil has been happening in the New South Wales Parliament today, but let's uh, cast our eyes across the oceans to Israel because today, Tuesday, is election day in Israel and in a most unusual situation, a major candidate, Benny Gantz, is to be tried for war crimes in a Dutch court today. How do the headlines look on this one?
1: Well, I think... uh... It's another error by the Palestinians. The District Court of The Hague will hold a hearing today, Tuesday, about whether a war crimes case against Benny Gantz is admissible relating to his command decisions during the 2014 Gaza War. Israeli soldiers and commanders may also be in the hot seat at The Hague before the International Criminal Court. But this hearing, which also happens to be on Election Day, is a local Dutch court proceeding that is unrelated to the former. In fact, the ICC preliminary probe of Israel's conduct in the 2014 war is moving very slowly. A statement about the case before the uh, Dutch court from the Palestine Justice Campaign said the case relates to Ishmael Zaida and he is against Gantz and former IDF Air Force Chief uh, Major General uh, Emir Eshel, for allegedly killing six members of Zayda's family. Zaida is claiming that the IDF prosecution uses discriminatory practices against Palestinians which prevent him from receiving justice in Israel. According to the principle of universal jurisdiction, some countries, especially in Europe, allow prosecution of foreign officials for war crimes if the local state refuses to prosecute. According to reports, the IDF declined to prosecute anyone in the Zaida case because the civilians who were killed were legal collateral damage in a strike of a Hamas war room in which multiple Hamas members were also killed. Civilians were warned to get out before the attack and these people chose to remain and I'm sure that'll be the defense in the Dutch court.
0: I'm sure there'll be developments that we'll want to follow along in some of that too, Ron. And while we're saying today, the Tuesday election day in Israel, let's keep a focus on that for a few moments and the headlines. In Israel, voting's not compulsory and pollsters have the contest neck and neck. However, the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has declared the election has been stolen. Uh, What's the story here?
1: Well... As only happens in Israeli elections, uh, I think very few will vote today and it could be weeks before we know who won the election. But Prime Minister Netanyahu escalated his rhetoric against alleged vote forgeries in the Arab sector, changing his tense in interviews from warning that Arab-Israeli voters are stealing the election to telling army radio at the weekend that they stole the election. Netanyahu made the accusation after reports surfaced of forgery in the Arab sector in the April elections earlier this year, saying that he believes it may have cost the Likud two Knesset seats and resulted in another election being held. The head of the General Elections Committee Supreme Court, Judge Hannan Melker, turned down a request from Netanyahu to hold an emergency meeting on the alleged forgeries. Blue and white leader, General Benny Gantz, asked Melka not to meet with Netanyahu, saying that it would interfere in the election and aid Netanyahu in harming the election process. After Melka refused to meet with him, Netanyahu went to the Knesset and in a live Facebook post called Melka's decision not to address the issue as scandalous. It happens all these elections...
0: And uh, no doubt we'll be following that one along too, Ron. As you say, uh, an election result might not be known for weeks yet. So no doubt we'll come back to it. Hey, let's turn our attention to one of the biggest global stories and something that could even affect us here in Australia, of course, uh, those bombings in Saudi Arabia. And now Saudi oil output has dropped 50% after those Houthi attacks on the crude processing facilities. Uh, What's the latest?
1: Well, I read this morning that uh, petrol prices in Australia have probably gone up 15% already as a result of this attack. Saudi Arabia has shut down about half of its oil production and about 5 million barrels a day after a drone attack on Saudi oil fields by Houthi rebels disrupted output at two facilities. Iranian-backed Houthi rebels took responsibility for the attacks, saying 10 drones targeted the state-owned Saudi Aramco oil facilities in Abqaiq and Quraiz, according to the Houthi-run al Mazira News Agency. The United States is blaming Iran for the attacks. Uh, Even yesterday, uh, President Donald Trump said they were locked and loaded, ready to respond towards Iran. The most recent OPEC figures cited total Saudi oil production at 9.8 million barrels per day. Saudi Arabia is the world's largest oil exporter, producing approximately 10% of the total global supply of 100 million barrels a day.
0: Ron, let's turn our attention back to Israel. And interestingly, Christian evangelicals are harvesting lands in settlements that Israel hopes to annex. Uh, What's this story about?
1: You know, when I was working on this story, I, I remembered the number of times... Christians would say to me, I'm bored, I've got nothing to do. Here's a wonderful chance. These are volunteers for the evangelical group Hayyavell, which brings Christians to help Jewish farmers in settlements that Israel has built on land that Palestinians seek for a state. The West Bank holds special importance to evangelicals who see a divine hand in the modern-day return of Jews to a biblical homeland and who called the territory by its Hebrew Old Testament name Judea and Samaria. The founder of Ahivel, Tommy Waller, is fond of quoting a passage from the book of Jeremiah. He likes the King James Version too. He said, Again I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt yet plant vines upon the mountains of Samaria. That land is also the heart of the Israel-Palestinian conflict. It's the heartland of what the Palestinians see as a future state, along with East Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip, territories that Israel captured in the 1967 Middle East War. A wonderful opportunity for ambitious Christians. Yeah. And, Ron,
0: evangelical leaders seeing Saudi Arabia firsthand, and this is an historic visit. Uh, What's the story there?
1: I'm excited about this trip because I know some of these leaders who were there. For just the second time in less than a year, a delegation of evangelical Christian leaders accepted an invitation to visit Saudi Arabia and its leaders. The visit marked one more step in a growing relationship between evangelicals and Sunni Arab leaders. The visit made the national news in the kingdom. To see every newspaper in this country have evangelicals above the fold, not hiding our visit, but celebrating our visit. To put it mildly, this is historic, said Johnny Moore, co-chairman of President Donald Trump's Evangelical Advisory Council. The delegation met with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman on the eve of the anniversary of 9-11. To some it seemed an unlikely time. But the leader of the delegation, Joel Rosenberg, said there was a purpose behind the timing. The Saudi Arabia of 18 years ago, the Saudi Arabia out of which Osama bin Laden came, Al-Qaeda, the radical theology of violent jihad, that Saudi Arabia doesn't exist anymore. They've made sweeping changes that most Americans, most Christians are not aware of, Rosenberg said. Just an exciting visit and they came away with great responses.
0: Well, Ron, such rich content in today's headlines. Thank you so much for scouring those overnight and bringing us an update, as you do each Tuesday. Really appreciate it. Ron Ross, thanks for being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil.